Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, I hope, I hope you're encouraged that our church is in good hands with the high school students. Oh. They, they led us in our worship, and, and um, well, he's a high school student. They'd like to be. Okay, okay. <laughs> not, not all our high school students. Hey, it is a privilege, a privilege to stand here in this spot again in a place with a lifetime of memories. Uh, I thank Ken for inviting me, Pastor Ken, for inviting me to come and, and trusting me to share his pulpit uh, time here. It was very nice. When, when Tammy texted me to see if I'd be available possibly to speak on the 27th of August, the first question that went through my mind was, what do they want me to talk about? And so I, I texted back to her, well, that's interesting. What would I need to be talking about? I got back from her this text. We're in a series called We Are Family. We've talked about the students, we've talked about the singles, we've talked about the marrieds, so this would sort of be your perspective on the value of the retired senior <laughs> population. I think there was just a little bit of typecasting going on. What do you think? Uh, made me wear a tie today because of it. Okay, there we go. Um, thought a little bit of typecasting, and, and, I, and I, I do... I do want to um, honor their hiding it a little bit, the title. We are family, arise in your season. They could have said senior season, but they didn't. That was, that was nice of them. I do want to talk a little bit about seniors, but I want to talk really about all the seasons of life as we sort of wrap up this series. And before I speak, let's pray. Father, you're the one who makes us family. Many of us would, would never select one another as siblings. But in your amazing love and grace, you adopt us into your family. And so we are family twice over, first by our creation and second by your adoption. I pray in these next few moments together, may we understand your plans for us as a family in all our seasons of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Children are amazing. Amazing. As, as soon as they're aware of birthdays, their lives are sort of orient around anticipation of the next one. They're excited about a birthday. It's not just birthday cake and presents that mesmerize them. Uh, ask a four-year-old, how old are you? And they'll pop up four fingers and say, I'm four, but I'll be five on my next birthday. You know? <laughs> they, there is this great... All, all, you ask an eight-year-old who's anywhere between eight and nine, and they'll let you know, I'm eight and a half. You know, they're, they're counting, they're getting ready for that next birthday already. It's interesting, it, it, all through our childhood, there seems to be this crazy anticipation of, of wanting to just get a little bit older, just a little bit older. In the musical Matilda, there is this, there's this great song called When I Grow Up. And I want to share with you a, a couple of my favorite verses from this, this musical. When I grow up, 
I will be tall enough to reach the branches that I need to reach to climb the trees you get to climb when you're grown up. And when I grow up, I will eat sweets every day. On the way to work and I will go to bed late every night. And I will wake up when the sun comes up and I will watch cartoons until my eyes go square and I won't care cause I'll be all grown up when I grow up. Yeah, when's the last, when's the last time you climbed a tree because you could reach the branches? <laughs> you know, our childish understandings, our childish understandings of adulthood and freedom cause us to have some childish dreams about the future. There is in most of us, even early in childhood, this desire to be independent and self-sufficient. It was like the book that was part of our family's uh, bookshelf and we read to our kids, I can do it by myself. <laughs> I can do it by myself. That's, that's sort of what we want. I talked to some teenagers though that I think may be missing this gene. They, uh, they don't care about driving. They have put off driving forever. When I turned 15, my parents had to take me to get my learner's permit so I could drive with my parent or another adult for that year. And on my 16th birthday, we went, I took the driver's test, I got my driver's license, and I went out on a date that night. <laughs> you know, it was... It was freedom, it was mobility, it was independence, it was self-sufficiency. Some of my very best memories are when I got that license and I could drive, and Dad provided a car and a credit card for gas, and I was free. Or maybe just a freeloader, but I was, I was free. <laughs> I remember just wishing my life away until I could get to that 16th birthday. For many, there are, there's the season that may come of college, and it's really interesting. We, we get our kids to study hard and we work hard in high school, really work and learn so that we can get into the college of our choice. And then we go and we start college. And you know what we want? We want those four years to rush by so we can get out of college. Some of the best years of our lives. And we're wishing them, wishing them away during that season of college. Maybe, maybe there's then the season of courtship and marriage. You know, you go out with that person and the conversation just flows so naturally and you talk and you talk and it gets late and you're still talking and, and then you know this person listens to you and you listen to them and they get you and you get them and you wanna spend the rest of your life together. And there's that great season of courtship and marriage. Um, with or without college, we all end up starting a career. And it's rare that our first job, the one we start out with, is our dream job. But as we start our careers, we begin to imagine and hope for promotion and advancement and salary increases. And then that evaluation that says, you did a great job, job well done. We long to hear that in that season of starting a career. As time goes by in many families, children come along. You know, that nine months of pregnancy lasts forever for us dads. <laughs> Okay, okay, it's much, it's much harder on mom, <laughs> okay? But you know, that finally that, that little baby arrives and we think, oh, wow, this is so great. And you know what we start doing almost immediately? 
we wish for time to speed up to leave the diaper season behind. You know? We want to rush on to something else. There's that season I call the middle. It's that, it's that family season when mom and dad go to work and the kids go to school and you go on vacation and, and you take pictures and you make memories. It's just this big chunk of time as the kids are growing up. And then eventually, if you have kids, all that mess and all that fuss and all the rooms that need to be cleaned and all the things that are all over the house where they don't need to be and the noise that takes place all ends as you enter the empty nest season. And you, you used to hate all that noise and confusion and now you sort of like, boy, I'd like to have a little of that back. And uh, you two people, you two adults are sitting there thinking, who are you, who are you? And you know, you're, you're sort of getting reacquainted again in that season of empty nest. And then, then there's that season of parenting adult children. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, you have your adult children, you watch them make decisions that you would never make for them. But too bad, they're all grown up now. It's their, it's their, it's their decision. There's that season of an established career. You know, you're no longer trying to climb to a spot. You sort of establish yourself, whether you have your own business or whether you work for a company. You, you sort of arrive at this either high plateau or pinnacle of your career, and you're sort of there for a while. It's a great season of life, or it can be a horrible season, as you discover when you think you're at the pinnacle and they decide it's time to downsize and your job goes away. There's the season of, if you're really lucky, if you had kids and you're really lucky, there's the season of grandparenting. <laughs> See, listen to you. I knew you'd, you identify. There's nothing like being a grandparent. And for some of you, you never had kids or, or you, your kids never had kids and you're, you're not a grandparent. I want to just tell you right now, go out and find somebody's kids to adopt and be a grandparent. <laughs> you know? it's, a great, it's a great thing to be a grandparent. It's good for you as well as for the kids that you can be grandparenting as well. Then comes the season of retirement. I'm now familiar with that season too. And it can be a great season, a great season of, of new adventures and opportunities and uh, challenges and interests. Or for some, some I've talked to, that retirement is a time of stress and loss as they've lost this career that was so much a part of who they were. And then there's the season of aging as retirement shifts from going and doing and engaging to stopping and standing still and sitting and not doing. And thinking about these and all the other nuanced stages and seasons of life, there's one thing that's really interesting. At some point, we lose the excitement of our next birthday. <laughs> I've never asked a 59-year-old, how old are you? And they say, I'm 59 and a half, you know. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Uh, each season of our lives come with positives and negatives. Each, each season adds things to us and subtracts things from us. When we live with, through these many seasons of life as Christians, maybe particularly as part of a certain denomination, there can be an extra stressor, an extra stressor that haunts all the seasons. Maybe it haunts some seasons more than others, but can haunt the seasons. And we've done it to ourselves as believers. We've, we've read texts like growing up into the full measure of Christ. Wow. Or the text, we're being transformed more and more into the very image of Jesus Christ. 
And then really, in, in any season, we may look in the mirror of our lives and wonder why it seems we've never lived up to our potential, our full potential in Christ. Maybe we've imagined that becoming like Christ is sort of like going to school. We, we enter the school of Christ. We're going to become transformed more and more into his image. And we, we study hard and we work hard and we try to become better and better people in our world. And we think that at some point we'll graduate and they'll give us the diploma, Christ-like Andy, you can hang it on the wall. <laughs> but the work of the Spirit transforming you and me into the very image of Christ is a work from which we never graduate in this life. It's an, ongoing, it's an ongoing journey. The Spirit is transforming us more and more into Christ's image, but it's not something that will end in this life. Reflecting on any season, we only delude ourselves that our lives are really all they could be. That we were in each season living up to our full potential in Christ. You know what happens? Some, some marginal friend, or maybe a pastor, pastors do this uh, a lot, or maybe you read it in an article in a, in a magazine or a book somewhere, something that, that says to you in no uncertain terms, you aren't living up to your full potential in Christ. I love Stephen Brown. He writes this in his Born Free Seminars. They teach Christians to stay in response to that kind of guilt-producing drivel. You're not living up to your full potential in Christ. Of course I'm not living up to my full potential in Christ. No one's living up to their full potential in Christ. If it's all right with you, I'm not going to live up to my potential a little longer, you know? I'm just going to keep not living up to my full potential. What if, what if in every season of life, the Christian experience isn't about living up to our full potential? It's not about getting better and better or becoming even more holy or more sanctified. What if what if all these seasons of life are really different opportunities for us to strengthen our friendship with God? An opportunity from a new perspective to come into a closer and deeper friendship with God. You see, moving through life, I mean, no, no, first, there's only one. There's only one in all of history who lived up to his full potential, and that is Jesus Christ himself. And you, my friends, are not Jesus. I know some of you, okay? <laughs> um, you aren't Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Sure, you can become more like him. I can become more like him. But we'll never, by our choice and efforts and struggle, become enough like him to deserve eternity with him. Moving through all the seasons of life to arrive at the season of being a senior, joining that aged group that I'm now, I guess, part of, according to being invited to speak. Um, <laughs> we, we have lots of experiences that produce in us experiential wisdom. Experiential wisdom. If, if you've changed your oil or made a cake or planned a party or finished school or led a group or chaired a board or painted a picture or even sewn on a button and a zillion other experiences, it develops in you over time experiential wisdom. When you've got to do something, oftentimes, you know, if it's something new, I have to go watch a YouTube video. But I've lived long enough. There's a whole bunch of stuff I don't have to go look at YouTube videos on. I know how to do it from experience. By the time you reach senior season of life, you have collective experience that has made you a wiser person experientially. 
I remember when I started pastoring this church, I was 28 years old, okay? I was just a little guy. And uh, what was really strange at the time, and Ken can testify to this, most of the people in that church were older than me, okay? Almost everybody was older than me. And there were some retired pastors that had pastored that, this church that were a part of my congregation. There, there were business folks that had their own businesses. There are all kinds of variety of smart people that have lots of experience. And it was a privilege to gain wisdom from their experience, to let them mentor me as a young leader in the church. There were some times that I doubted their wisdom was that wise. <laughs> but I always benefited from being able to take their years of experience that they shared with me and putting their understandings in my now bucket of understanding. It sort of pushed me along and lifted me up along the way. There are some verses in Scripture like Job 12, 12 that says, Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to those who have lived many years. There's that great story in 1 in first, uh, first Kings chapter 12 about Rehoboam. Rehoboam is becoming the king. His dad Solomon has died, and uh, he is now taking charge of the kingdom. And Jeroboam and all of Israel come to uh, Rehoboam, and they say, look, your dad was tough on us, high taxes, hard labor. Will you ease the load a little bit? And Rehoboam says, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll give you an answer in three days. And he goes to Solomon's advisors, his dad's wise, old, old advisors. And he heard their advice. They said to him, if you'll, if you'll concede to the people, if you'll give them a little break, they'll be loyal to you and be your subjects forever. And then Rehoboam went to his contemporaries he'd grown up with and said, guys, what do you think I should do? And they said, man, if your dad was hard, you should be harder. And Rehoboam, Rehoboam comes back and he tells the people, my father was hard, I'll be harder. He, he used whips, I'm gonna use scorpions, it's gonna be tough. And Jeroboam and 11 tribes went away and only Judah stayed with Rehoboam and the kingdom was divided forever because Rehoboam would not listen to the wise counsel of the elders. We read these passages and other stories and, and we may imagine that not only does experiential wisdom come to, with age, we may be under the illusion that older people are more righteous than younger people. I think I sort of thought that when I was young. I, I thought, yeah, you get old, you get righteous. Um, I, uh, I know better now. <laughs> Having reached a season number of years, I'm 67 years old now. No matter how much self-discovered wisdom I find in me, I also find consistently that I am a sinner. A sinner. An active, ongoing center, sinner saved by the grace and mercy of God. I used to think that there would come a time when I'd, only have, I'd have enough years and like old people before me, it would be easier to follow God in his will. It doesn't get easy. It might even get harder in some ways. You know, you don't become more righteous just because you have more years. That, that's not necessarily an equation. Part of our concern about becoming not just wiser but holier too is tied to our putting too much importance, too much importance on our living right and doing right and being good. Now listen, don't misquote me after today because if you stop right there, you might. Listen, there are huge, huge benefits 
to walking with the Lord. There are huge benefits to honoring the right thing and choosing the right thing and being right and, and, and letting God transform you more and more into his image. Uh, life is easier that way. Our mental health is probably better that way. The world is more benefited because we're trying to make it a better place as followers of God. But we are not tallying up good stuff to a big enough stack that we're going to put God in our debt somehow. God, look at all the goodness that I've gained. Now you owe me. That's never, we're never going to get there. Maybe one of the most difficult things about the last senior season of life is God's directive that all of our advancement, all of that progress we seem to have made, must now be played in reverse. For Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you can't ever enter the kingdom of heaven. What was he talking about? Become like little children. I think he was talking about dependent and trusting. Dependent and trusting. That all our hunger for self-sufficiency, all our desire for independence must be surrendered and there must be a return to a life of dependence on God, there is no hope anywhere else than a life of dependence upon God. A great quote found in the book Christ's Object Lessons says this, there is nothing so offensive to God or so dangerous to the human soul as pride and self-sufficiency. Of all sins, it is the most hopeless, the most incurable. How crazy is that? How crazy is that the sin of self-sufficiency and, 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 and pride is so bad? I mean, from a little kid, we seem to have this innate desire to be independent, to be able to say, I can do it myself, and then have mom and dad say, hooray for you. And, and we get rewarded and applauded for being able to do it by myself. We'd all like to get our act together so that God could welcome us into his kingdom based upon our behavior. Probably won't happen. Rusty Anderson one day was talking to Stephen Brown, and he said, Stephen, I don't think I'm going to get much better. And, and uh, he wasn't saying this because he, was, he thought he had arrived, and he was so good he couldn't get any better. Uh, he, he was not thinking he was a spiritual giant. He realized that he'd been walking with God for his whole life. He'd been seeking to become a better person and more and more transformed in the image of Jesus his whole life. And he looked back and he could see some progress and some failures and he realized he didn't think he was going to get much better. Well, when Steve heard him say this, he said, Rusty, no, no, you're going you're to get better. I mean, you know, you should get better, a little better every day in every way. And, and Rusty said, no, that isn't happening. But you know something? God loves me anyway. God loves me anyway. No matter the season of life, there is no hope. There is no confidence in us. Paul, the great apostle, writes so much of the New Testament, starts the Christian church in so much of the world. He takes the gospel to the Gentiles. And in Romans, Paul writes, I know that in me and my flesh dwells no good thing. Listen, from the world of the newborn to the toddler to the small child to the adolescent to the young adult to the adult to senior to a senior senior, we can put no confidence in our performance. None. Zero. Our hope is in simple faith in our Savior 
and complete renunciation of ourselves. I said it here many times before, but I want to say it again. Salvation is the work of the Savior, not the saved. That's a really important concept. Salvation is the work of the Savior, not the saved. Redemption is the work of the Redeemer, not the redeemed. Reconciliation is the work of the reconciler, not the reconciled. Here's the problem. In every season of our lives, our only hope is in self-renunciation. But you know what? We aren't able to renounce ourselves. It's just, not, it's just not in us. It's just not in us. No matter the hoops we jump, we cannot empty ourselves of self. All we can do is consent for Christ to do the work in us. Just don't get in the way. You know, Christ wants you. He wants to transform your life. He wants you with him for eternity. Just don't stop him. And then the prayer of our heart will be this in every season of life. Lord, take my heart. Not here's my heart, I want to give it. Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. Now it's your property. Keep it pure, because I can't keep it pure for you. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me. You fashion me. You raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of your love can flow through me. This prayer... This prayer of self-renunciation is not just something you do when you start your Christian walk, like, okay, I recognize I've got some problems and I need to turn to Jesus, and therefore I'll, Jesus, take my heart. No, this is something you must do over and over and over again because God is so good and we are so corrupt and he wants to save us, and we have to come back with this prayer over and over. It's in every season of life. It's an appropriate prayer, and it brings us great security in Jesus. As you leave today, there's a copy of this little prayer for you to pick up. Just a little card, a prayer for all the seasons of life. And I hope you'll take that little card home, and I would love it if you would read that prayer every day this week. Just read the prayer through. Maybe come to the place where you're actually praying the prayer, but I'd be happy if you just read the prayer. And then I hope you'll tuck the card away where, where it'll sort of show up again occasionally, and you can review that prayer again. And let every season of your life be filled and be the best season of your life because of the great good news that God is saving you in spite of yourself. He is for you, not against you, and he gives you his peace. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church. Church slash podcast. 
and plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.